Our New Testament reading comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 12 to 18. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, in which you shine like stars in the world. It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a libation over the sacrifice and offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And in the same way, you also must be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to stand for the reading of our gospel. Gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 21. Jesus said, what do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of the father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Christ. Well, let me first say thank you for joining us online and thanks to those who are making this live stream possible and for all of your work for this. Very unprecedented times that we're living in right now. I just want to say, you know, I think our primary duty on this day of worship is to pray for our world, our local communities, as we seek to you know, combat and eradicate this, this virus that is affecting so many people. I think before I begin preaching, the, the thing that I want to say is that as Christians, we should always bear in mind that sickness and disease, Jesus revealed, are the enemies of God. Jesus came to eradicate and heal people of sickness and disease. This is not a part of God's divine will. And Jesus shows us a God who wants the world to be whole and healthy. And a part of our responsibility is to seek those ways to make the world healthier whole again. So this virus is an evil, and as an evil, it is not directly willed by God. But let us, as 
the people of the church be about the business of seeking ways to heal people of it. So thanks for joining us. We're going to continue uh, this morning with our sermon series on the seven deadly sins. We've been doing this for the last few weeks. And uh, today, for the next few minutes, we're going to talk about what I think is the most misunderstood of all of the vices, and that is the vice of sloth. Sloth. Usually when we think of sloth, we think of some slacker lying on the couch all day, surrounded in empty potato chip bags or... You know, we think of uh, maybe a coworker we worked with before in the past who took 30-minute bathroom breaks every two hours. And, you know, there's one sin, one cardinal sin in American culture, right? It, it is the sin of laziness. You know, we, we pride ourselves on our hard work and industry and, and achievement, and all that is good. So it's very easy to come across a uh, sermon on sloth and to think, well, you know, I, I feel good about this one. You know, I may have a pride problem, I may have a, a gluttony issue, but I don't have a sloth problem. And we can begin to show each other our loaded calendars, our busy schedules, and, you know, how many hours we invest at our jobs each week. And we think, well, a sloth is just not my concern at all. Here's, a, here's sort of the uh, bad news before we get to the good news and that actually there can be no bigger sign that we suffer from the vice of sloth more than our busy, frenetic, work-saturated schedules. So the sloth that we're going to talk about today, it is not about our work ethic, like how many hours we work at our job. It's not about our work ethic. The sloth that we're going to talk about today, it is about our spiritual work ethic. See the difference? So let's, uh, let's quickly define sloth. Here's how you can understand the vice of sloth. Sloth is the habitual, ongoing avoidance of our spiritual work. So sloth is like a laziness, not of the body, it is a laziness of the soul. See, sloth is the ongoing negligence of our prayer life, of the regular worship of God, of serving others, of studying God's Word. Sloth is just the negligence of the demands that love makes of us. Uh, the Greek word for sloth is uh, acedia, and it literally means no care. So those who are affected by sloth, they eventually just stop caring about their relationship with God or all of the work that's involved in, in staying in a robust relationship with God. So we might say that, that sloth is like a procrastination of the soul. It is just putting off, putting off, putting off over and over again all, the, all the, the, the work that the spiritual life requires of us until we stop caring about the things of God in our spiritual lives at all. You know, the uh, sloth, usually, according to the spiritual masters, sloth usually shows up in two ways. Two ways. Through distractions and through workaholism. Isn't that interesting? It's counterintuitive. Like you think about the first one, sloth usually shows up through distractions. All right, here's an example of what that looks like. 
So you say to yourself, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend the next five minutes in prayer, and, and you get your coffee or, or your breakfast or whatever you do. And then you start to sit down to pray, and then all of a sudden you think about your emails. Or you think about something that you forgot to do, and, or you, you get a ping on your phone and somebody's texting you, and you begin to text that person, and, and you never get around to praying at all. Now, this happens to all of us every once in a while. I'm talking about this for the slothful person. This happens over and over and over again. Or sloth shows up as workaholism. And what that means is that you are so busy, so overscheduled that you literally have no time to pray or to worship God regularly or to serve your neighbor at all. So uh, sloth is like this spiritual deadness. You're just dead. I mean, you think about atheists who hate Christianity. Well, I give them some credit. At least they have some energy in their hostility. But see, sloth is just the, the absence of any kind of energy about God at all. It's kind of like chloroform. <laughs> it's like general anesthesia for our souls. And this is exactly why, everybody, why so many people down through their years have said this. I'm not the only one. Many people have said that maybe the number one vice afflicting the church today, and that's afflicted the church for, for years now, is the vice of sloth. I was thinking uh, this week, Reverend Kevin Turner, our music director, uh, he reminded me of a book that I'd read some time ago. He was reading it. And uh, in this book, the author was trying to explain why so many people, especially the youth and now young adults, are just fleeing the church one after another. And in this book, the author suggests that maybe a primary reason that so many people are leaving the church as young adults now is because we in the church have taught them what she called a benign whateverism. Benign whateverism. In other words, we have like taught our youth for like 50 years that when it comes to the things of the faith or religion, it's yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. It's fine, you know. Just, uh, just be good and 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 work at being honest and do good things for people. You know, it, it's you know whatever. I mean, you like Jesus. I like a different religious philosophy. Whatever. You know, you like Coke. I like Pepsi. It's no big deal at all. And see, everybody, you know what that is? That's actually sloth. It's when we say, eh, you know, whatever. So sloth is like this non-concern for the things of God. And the reason that sloth has always understood to be so deadly, why it even makes the list at all, is because unless we check it in our souls, unless we see it growing in our souls, what will eventually happen is that we will slowly snuff out or put to sleep God's life in us. But if you read the pages of the New Testament, everybody, if you read the pages of the New Testament, almost every page of the New Testament and the Gospels just simmers with this energy and with this urgency. I mean, the New Testament says things like, God, God died so that we might be raised to newness of life, that God wants to fill us with his spirit and with his joy, and God wants to exalt us and 
and to fill us with his life. And, and God has given each one of us, all of you listening right now, all of us here, we have all been given a divine mission that only we can fulfill. And the New Testament's like, go, fulfill your mission. But how sloth responds to these divine promises is sloth will say, eh, I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to change. I'm not in the mood to pray. I don't want to do what God requires of me. See, that's the thing we have to keep in mind is, is that Christianity, following Jesus, requires things of us. Now, the love of God is not, eh, well, whatever. The love of God actually makes a lot of demands on us. It demands sacrifice, demands discipline. You know, we've got to will what God wills in this life. And I'm not saying that, you know, oh, salvation, we're saved by the things that we do. I'm not saying that at all. We are only saved by the grace of God. But staying in love with God, it's like staying in love with your spouse. I mean, it... It requires things. It requires some sacrifice. It takes some effort to do these things and to stay in love with God. I don't know if you called it. Uh, Alexis read from Paul's letter to the Philippians. It's a very interesting passage right there at the very beginning of our lesson. Paul says something very strange. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I mean, think about that. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You, you got to work this out. You got you to work on this. And then, of course, Paul says, but remember, it is God who is at work in you so that you can work out your salvation. It's all grace, everybody, but it takes some effort. It takes some sacrifice. You got to cooperate, you know, with God's grace. And that does not happen without some willpower and effort on our part. I think about Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. He only says this in Luke's Gospel. But Jesus says, you must take up your cross daily. Only in Luke's Gospel does he say that. You must take up your cross daily. Daily, deny yourself. Daily, we gotta get up and we gotta offer ourselves to God daily. We have to renounce our egos for the sake of someone else. Daily we must pray. Daily we must, in some sense, contemplate on, on Jesus and, and God's word for us. That does not happen, everybody, without some kind of effort. Work out your own salvation. You know, the last thing I'll say before we move on is, is that sloth, what it will do to us is that sloth will make us commit what are called sins of omission. You know, sins of commission are things that you do, wrong things that you do. Sloth, though, is about sins of omission. We just put off and just don't do the good things that we should do. Think about our gospel lesson today. Jesus tells this parable. You know, a father says to one of his sons, I want you to, I want you to go out and, and, and work in the vineyard today. And the son says, I'm not doing that. But then eventually the son says, okay, I'm going to do it. But then the other son says, um, yes, Father, I will go and, and work in your vineyard. But then he doesn't do it. It was the latter son who was slothful, see. 
You know, I could go on. I mean, you think about the parable Jesus told of the sheep and the goats. This is a famous one, Matthew 25. Or there's a king who divides the world into the sheep and the goats. And the king says to the sheep, to the very righteous, I was hungry and you fed me. Uh, you welcomed me. You, you clothed me. You visited me. What you did to the least of these, you did to me. And then the king turns to the goats, the unrighteous, and says, You did not feed. You did not welcome. What you did not do to the least of these, you did not do to me. And when you think about the goats in that parable, it's not as if they did something wrong. They just didn't do anything at all. That's sloth. Sloth will make you not do the good that you should do. It just makes you negligent in what love requires of us. Okay, I'll kind of wrap this up. Uh, so what's the medicine? You know, every week we've been saying this, that for all seven vices, there are seven opposite virtues, the medicine for the vice. So what's the medicine uh, for sloth? The virtue that's opposed to sloth is the virtue of zeal. We sang about that, opening hymn. Zeal, zeal, enthusiasm. The other virtue, it could also be Diligence. Diligence. You know, this may not sound very encouraging at first, but the great spiritual masters say of all the seven deadly sins, sloth is like the hardest to overcome. And the reason it's so hard to overcome is because the only way to overcome sloth is to do the very things you just don't want to do. But you've got to be diligent. And what that means, you just got to keep at it. Keep at it. Keep grinding away. Pray every day, even when you don't want to pray. Come into church on Sunday, even when church seems so boring. Listening to the sermon, like, is he ever going to stop? You know, you got to keep listening. Keep showing up at the small group, even when the small group seems to be so tedious. When you have no desire to do these things, that's what diligent is. The only way to overcome sloth is to just keep at it and to keep doing it. You think about musicians, you know, musicians who are excellent at an instrument. I would suspect there comes a moment in every musician's life where they just do not want to practice that instrument anymore. Ugh. But they do it anyway because their goal is to be really excellent at the craft. Or you think about athletes. I'm sure there's a moment in every athlete's life where like, I cannot bear to go back to the gym. I cannot work on my free throws anymore. But they keep at it because they want to be excellent at the sport. You know, it is, it is perfectly normal, everybody, not to want to pray, not to feel like praying. Not to feel like, you know, worshiping. Not to feel like loving our neighbors. But see, the thing is, is that as I've said to you before, God, God wants us to be great, like holy, on fire for the Lord. And, and, and that does not happen unless we are diligent at it, even when it seems to be tedious. And, and, and the good news for all this is simply this, is that God has promised he will always honor the diligent you know, those who keep at it, those who keep at it, those who keep at it. And what God promises is that if you keep at it, if you keep at the work 
of our, our spiritual work, if you keep at it, you will catch fire again, but you got to stay close to the source of the fire to catch fire again. God rewards the diligent. Jesus says, those who seek me will find me. Those who keep knocking and keep knocking, to them the door will open. Those who are persistent and persevere in prayer, the Lord says, they will get their reward. God will always honor those who are diligent. And let me just say, as I, I wrap this up, is that I, I'm standing before you this morning, and I am someone who really suffered with sloth for a pretty long season. I mean, I got to the point, even as a pastor, I'm like, oh, prayer. I can't read John chapter 3 one more time. This is hard, but I, I by the grace of God, I, I just kept at it. I kept at it. And, and honest to goodness, I am more spiritually alive today than I ever was then. God will catch you on fire again. You know, it was G.K. Chesterton, one of my favorite writers, who says, uh, anything that's worth doing is worth doing badly. If it's worth doing, it's, it's worth doing badly. You know, I'm not a great prayer. You're not a, maybe a great prayer, but it's worth doing. I'm not great at worshiping God. Maybe you aren't either. It's worth doing. I'm not great at always loving my neighbor as I love myself. It's worth doing. It's even worth doing if we can't do it well. The Christian life is worth the effort. It's always worth the effort because Jesus, our Lord, is always worth the effort.